Hey, welcome to the Everyday Sniper. Frank from Sniper's Hide here. Mike's off at Mile High working. They're super busy right after SHOT Show. Uh, a lot of orders, a lot of stuff that has to get accomplished. So you just got me here today. I'm going to jump right in with this, and I want to talk about the ELR event, uh, event at SHOT Show. Uh, there was a little bit of mockery on Facebook, which it's Facebook. You got to take it for what it is. Pretty lame. But guys didn't understand the short range in which we shot that 1500 one mile 2000 22 and 2500 yards the goal of this is to establish a standard there's too many guys out there who are practicing or just simply throwing rounds down range you know that that hell country rifle thing that was like 194 rounds and i think they got two hits and we're trying to eliminate that. I mean, it's great you took a poke at something and you got lucky with it because that's all you did is get lucky. But with a standard, especially a cold bore three for three, it's it's a practical application. I look at it from a, a sniper standpoint. We used to have the mantra, no more than three rounds from any one location and then you got to displace. So this kind of translates directly to that. And saying you have to do three for three is, is a really big deal. I mean, it's not as easy as it sounds. I mean, look, David Tubb was there. David Tubb's son-in-law went three for three at 1760 and at 2011. David Tubb didn't. This guy's an 11-time champion, and he didn't accomplish this. So it's not as easy as it looks. We had world-class shooters at this event, and a lot of those world-class shooters, like the AB guys and things like that, didn't succeed. Now, some of them started out at that, you know, 22 to 2,500 yard range. And, you know, that was part of the mistake. And another thing might be spotting. But this you should look at as a standard you can replicate anywhere. And part of it goes to short range as well. Uh, Thomas Hoglund of Norway, and I want to shout out to him. He's got a great blog on YouTube. He doesn't talk, but he makes awesome videos. He's now incorporating a marksmanship standard to what he does. He actually gives you a patch. You have to drop down on command and be able to hit a target for them. It's 500 meters. But this is something you can replicate if you want to see how well your training has progressed. Can you drop down on command without walking it in, learning the wind, and doing all these things people do that they don't count and hit a target three for three? So go up, dope your shot, look at the wind, and drop down and give it three shots. And be honest with yourself. Did you hit all three for those shots? One of the things I would almost recommend is doing it in reverse. Start out far and work your way in to sort of practice this. And then when you come back, you can then test yourself from a cold bore in the morning. But there's so many guys out there. I remember doing a class, an ELR class out here in Colorado a couple years ago. And guy was throwing shots at target. And I said to him, I said, how many shots did you shoot? And he was like, I don't know, six or eight shots. And it turned out he shot 18 before hitting. He had no concept of it. And this is what we're trying to combat in the ELR zone. We're trying to say to guys, listen, it, when you go out and practice and you tag a target at distance, that's great. But all you were doing is practicing. Can you do it on command? Can you do it with an audience? Can you do it under time? And that's the difference. There's plenty of guys who will shoot an F-class target and not be F-class champions. You, you know what I mean? So that's something that you have to look at. 
that, you know, that this isn't as easy as just saying, hey, man, I hit something and now, you know, I hold the record. That's your training. That's your practice. Of course, we go out to distance and as far as we can take it. But what's the practical reality? Now, the plate, 36 square, is because that becomes 1M away at 3,600. But realistically, on a field-type course under these conditions, 2M away is practical. I use 18 by 30s on my range, uh, which is an Ipsic size. Get rid of the head, and it's 18 by 24. But that's what you want to look at when you're doing this kind of stuff. You want to look at you know, what is practical in a field situation? What's ethical in hunting? What can translate to the military? And this is the goal of turning the ELR kind of world record discussion in this direction and actually reducing the range. I know guys were making fun of it and laughing and saying, hey, look what John Armstrong did with his 7 STW. Yeah, fear the man with one gun. This guy did it. He didn't do it at a mile, but he came pretty darn close. And I would guarantee the next time around, he probably will. But this guy has his data down. He understands his rifle system, and he's able to recreate you know, his, his results. If you can't recreate your results, what the hell's the point? And that's kind of where Thomas Hagelin and I are on the same page. I want you to be able to go out there and recreate your results. I don't want you to get lucky. I don't want you to say, you know, you shot 80 rounds on a Saturday practicing and you got, you know, 20% hits, but you're only going to remember those 20%. You're not going to remember your misses. You're only going to remember your hits. So that's why we're, you know, we're trying to do this this way. So, you know, when you see it, understand it. Don't get involved in the troll mentality at Facebook. Um, it, it's really, really ridiculous that these guys are talking that way. Um, you know, I even talked to Scott Satterley with the PRS because the PRS is hosting several ELR events and I'm trying to get them to incorporate that three for three off of a cold bore and Scott's behind it. And, and you know, that's what we want it to be. Something that you can repeat. You know, I know the PRS guys and they're all good shooters and things like that, but we want something that can be replicated in, in no matter where we go in the world to do this, we can replicate it. Understand can, it's going to be condition dependent, of course, but we can replicate this. We're creating a standard. We're creating an engine to support you. And these world record events, even if you get beat, you're still recorded as having hit your three for three. So it, it's not something where you're going to go and, and, you know, get eclipsed right away. John's in the record books. Paul's in the record books. Nate's in the record books. And that's what we're looking to do is bring attention to doing it the correct way rather than going on a shooting vacation, throwing 200 rounds at something, getting a few hits and calling it a record. I mean, that's just not what we're about. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is uh, some questions that came up. The first one, somebody asked about the uh, history of the Accuracy International Rifle. Very good friends with Dave Wall who invented it. I actually have a video on the Sniper's Hide YouTube channel. So if you go to the Sniper's Hide YouTube channel, you can find an interview with Dave Walls and he'll talk about how he came up and above. I will tell you what happened is Dave is a competitor out in England 
and he was having some issues with a rifle he was shooting, like many of us have had issues with rifles. And he, he was ranting to one of his friends. And his friends say, well, Dave, if you're so good at this, why don't you do it? So Dave had a small machine shop in the garage slash shed behind his house. And what he did is he went to the rack and he only had square stock. He didn't have any round stock when he decided to make the AI action. And that's why it's square today. Now there's a lot of benefits of going square action on a square chassis, bedded and things like that. I mean, we can get into that in another podcast. But he he put that together and built the rifle. Then it got the attention of Malcolm Cooper who, because he was an Olympic shooter, used his contacts, and it was introduced to the, to the military, and there was a solicitation going on. At the time, you had the Lee Enfields and the Parker Hales in the military. He submitted his AI rifle for this through Malcolm Cooper, and the British government picked it up. Now, because they did not have a uh, mechanism, the, the government had a hand in it but AI started you know in a shed behind his house and the reason it was square is that's because the the way the stock was but Dave incorporated a lot of these best practices in and you know that's the rifle that you have today so it's definitely something you you want to look at Um, the video that I'm talking directly to Dave I think you guys will enjoy it it's a little bit longer video than I normally do. Uh, we got uh, we did it during the um, King of Two Mile event at Raton. I recorded it for him, and you know there, there's some good details in that Sniper's Hide YouTube channel. The channel's got over uh, you know five million views and in a ton of videos out there. So odds are there's probably something in there that will answer questions or two from you know from the guys. The other question that came on, and it's actually a great topic, is the solid bullets. Uh, The poster was asking specifically about um, the Warner tools. And there's two kinds of solids out there. You have the copper-based solid, like your cutting edge, your Warner tools. And then you have that brass component, like the dynamic research, the Predators, the Lehigh's, and things like that. If they're more of a gold color and they have that brass content... That's the only round you want to shoot at it. You want to clean your barrel uh, right down to the finish. You want to clean it really well. Uh, Make sure you take everything out of the barrel and just shoot those brass content because those can cause some weird fallings if you mix copper and jacketed and things like that. Now, if you're doing the cutting edge and the Warner tools, you can mix jacketed bullets. Now, here's the thing with a solid bullet. You can push it harder, faster, and twist it more. What they're finding out, and, and I talk with people like Hornaday with this, is over-twisting and overdoing some of the things we're doing with bullets today can damage the bullet. In some cases, it can damage it so bad that the bullet comes apart. In other cases, what happens is the lead underneath the jacket shifts, and it throws the bullet out of balance. So when that bullet's out of balance, you're not getting the BC and the results. You might see a weird flyer. You might see a weird vertical spread because it, it's not flying true downrange. Um, you understand if you, when you're spinning stuff hard, like a lot of these guys are doing seven twists on long barrels. We talked about this before. 
If you have velocity, you don't want to crank up the twist. If you're losing velocity, you want to replace the twist or replace it with twist. And you don't have to go super aggressive, you know. Instead of at eight, you might go seven and a half. I wouldn't go any farther than the seven. And if you are 20 inches and below kind of deal with like a six five. But that's what we're doing with that. In solids, solids, you know, while expensive right now, can be pushed harder, faster, they're generally lighter, and the bullet doesn't deform when you over-twist them, which is why they tend to ask for a little bit more aggressive twist rate. So if, say, you know, your max load on something in that 308 range is 46 grains of Varget or something, you might be able to go 47 grains because it's not that big a deal. You're not going to hurt the bullet. But again, be careful. Do your load work up. I find that the node right before max usually works pretty good, but sometimes you have to, you know, you can go to max uh, load on these things and, and not worry about it as much. Check your primers, check for cratering. If it is, you know, back it off and make sure you're safe out there. Uh, you, you know, it's hard to say. Understand too, solids are a little bit more sensitive to the barrels that you're using. You want to use a better barrel when you're doing this stuff. So you have to, um, if, if the solids aren't, you know, if your barrel doesn't like the solids, then, then you just can't do it. It's just one of those cases. They're longer. There's more bearing surface. That's why they do the driving bands and, and change some angles up to try to reduce that. So it, it, it's definitely something you want to look at with, with the solids. That you have a good barrel. You got a good twist rate for it. And yes, you can push it harder. Now, do they foul more? No, they generally don't. They run pretty clean for me. I haven't had problems. I've run solids in, in several classes uh, at Gunsight. Great results all the way through. And, and, and I dedicate to a solid, you know. But with these Warner Tool, these Cutting Edge, and those guys, you can mix a solid and jacket. And if you create a separate track, you should be able to... Um, go and you know switch bullets without losing your data speaking of data that way impacts data books um just came out with the ballistic computer chart, uh, chart that i made the sheet um whatever we want to call it so go to impact data books and you can look at the ballistic computer page and you should be able to uh use that information and store and have a record of what you're using in your ballistic computers I know guys have said, well, I've done my ballistic computer and I've lost my data and i got to redo it. And using this will help you true the computers and do some other things. There was some interesting talk at SHOT Show about applied ballistics and the truing and how they do it and they're changing their, their tune and, and what they're saying you should do to true. Before they were jumping on velocity pretty quick and now they're saying that you want to true your BC first. The other thing is they're talking that transonic. I have a problem with chewing and transonic like that. I mean, if you're an ELR shooter, that's uh, ELR shooter. That's one thing. But if you're an everyday shooter and you have to true at transonic, a lot of you guys don't have access to that. I mean, with our rifles today, we're talking 1,400 yards on average to true to transonic. And where are you guys going to shoot that thing? You know, for me, I can do it. But, you know, like when I was in Alaska and different places, those guys can't do that. Uh, you know, average range here is 200 yards. 
So true the BCs up the best you can. Get the most information that you could. Readjust your BC. I just did that with my Kestrel last week, and it worked out really great. I changed the BC. Uh, I forget what it was like from a, like a, in the 550s to like the 5.8 or 0.58, you know. And it, then I tweaked my velocity very little, and it worked out well. And and so. Tweak the BC to fit your rifle system. What you're doing is you're truing that BC for you. Then you're going to adjust the muzzle velocity. And it's a bummer that a lot of these software um, that you guys get in the app store only adjust BC, or not BC, but velocity. When you're truing this stuff, they're only tweaking uh, uh, muzzle velocity on you. And what that means is the muzzle velocity is only going to work for that situation. If you go into too big a swing, you're going to end up having to true it again. And so the, the less you can tweak those real-world numbers that you're getting, I mean, let's face it, our lab radars, our magneto speeds, they're really good. They're not subject to light, and they're not subject to the limitations that old chrono graphs were. And, you know, we're getting much, much better numbers today. And so the fact that guys can manipulate them as much as 100 feet per second is bad practice, in, in my opinion. So that's why I used, you know, the, the trace owls, the cold bores, the field firing solution that uses the DC factor. And as it is, those software platforms are so much more robust than what you got in the apps that you don't have to true that way. I mean, it, it understands like cold bore. It knows where the bullet was before the point in space and the after the point in space because point mass is telling you where an object is at a point in space. Now, the limitation is it doesn't know it before or after. It's only telling you that location where you ask, where Colbor knows before and after. And that's a big key, and that's why the, the results are so good. Um, I don't know what Desert Tech's doing with Traceal. I tried to talk to them. They lost their developer. And they haven't replaced them. Apparently, the developer got some dream job in online gaming and went went off somewhere else. So I, I can't really say what they're going to do with it. If you have had issues with Traceout, uninstall, reinstall, and it, and it goes back to working. And it's still one of the better apps out there. But without the support, man, it's so hard to turn around and, and recommend this stuff to you guys. I mean, every time you turn around, one of these companies drops a ball. And after, you know, promising you all kinds of stuff and it's like, man, and it's not just desert tech. Don't get me wrong. I'm not pointing fingers at them. I mean, you know, the guy leaves, the guy leaves. What are you going to do? But I mean, just the supply and demand chain, you know, hey, we'll have that rifle to you, you know, in March and a year later, it's still not there. So, you know, I come out and I say, hey, yeah, I went up. I saw this. I talked to him. Everything's cool. Go for it. And then you guys do that. And a year later, you still don't have your product. That's a bummer, man. That 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 hurts, and and that hurts not only my reputation, hurts the business, and and it sucks for you guys. And I don't like it. But um, you know what? What can I do? The other question that came in is on scope tracking, and this ties in with your ballistic software. Scope tracking is a key key point, man. You gotta check your scope tracking. You just have to do it. And the question was, do you check to the muzzle or what? You check to the turrets. You got to go to the erector turret. Now, you want to do it 100% correctly. You have to take the 300-foot uh, tape measure. 300 feet is your, your 100 yards. 
and you're going to pull that as tight as you can and you're going to go to your turret and you're going to mark it. I have my range marked out. I've also used my terrapin to uh, within one foot because you could change terrapins to feet. And so I've come within the foot and it really goes, the error factor is about four decimal places and we're only looking at two. So, you know, you, you're not in a bad zone by going by feet. And so, you know, at the muzzle, it's probably not going to be that big a deal. But the correct way of doing it is to the turret, target to turret, to scope track. And the other thing you want to do is don't listen to these short, you know, tests, the ones that are eight inches, four inches, whatever. If they're using an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, you want to check 100% of your scope's travel. And here's the reason. A lot of scopes have a bend at the upper end of their curve. And that's because the erectors have a single spring in there. And so you're applying pressure sort of up and to the right. And, you know, you can see it start to bend and curve as you get out there. The farther you shoot, the more critical it is. So you want to test on that high end of these scopes. You know, close and short range, the error is not multiplying enough. You need a minimum of like 20 to 24 inches for the error just to become visible within your group. I mean, consider a 3 8 inch group. You'd have to have an error bigger than 3 8 of an inch. And so you have to go past that 24 inch mark, which is why I tend to do 48 at a minimum. And, you know, so you have to you have to be able to make sure it's not your group maxing or your, your accuracy potential, I guess is a better way of putting it. So that's not masking the error factor that we're talking about. So, you know, when, when you're scope testing and tracking, and trust me, no scope is immune to this. There, you, you have to test your scopes if you want your software right and, and if you want to know what's going on. When Desert Tech was testing uh, Trey Sal, and, and, and it was Cold Bore at the time, but when they were testing all this different software, they tested Cold Bore, AB, you know, ballistics, and they wanted to brand an app for them. They found the number one point of error was your scope, and besides shooter error, but your scope was the biggest factor that you can control that people didn't control. So it's something that's really important that you want to look at and test your scope tracking. Software is detailed, man. It, it, inside a thousand yards, you, you can get away with a lot. But if you want that sub-MOA accuracy, if you want, you know, to go beyond a thousand yards, you really got to do your homework, which is why you want that impact data book, ballistic calculator sheet. You want to record your data. You want to you want to do all the shooting and all that first. Don't get distracted by software on the line. It, it, it's it's not a good practice to trying to be playing with your phone and be focusing on marksmanship and shooting. If you got access to paper, paper is going to be your best bet. If you don't have access to paper, put a watermark on steel and know whether you're high or low or where this is falling. You know, that's the kind of stuff that you want to look at. I mean, Scope, scope tracking and testing, that's why I made that scope tool from Targets USA. That, that's a 30-pound testing tool so we can tell what the scopes are doing because in class, man, you'll get guys that their scopes don't return to zero. You you got all these different things, and, and people are wondering, is it me? What's going on? I, you know, this isn't happening right. You know, I can't hit this target, and, and they're off two clicks. You know, it's the tracking's not right, something like that where – you know, 
I, I'll go down the line on a class and I'll give you like a, a generic 308 number. Hey, you're going to hit uh, 500 yards, put 10.5 on. And, and I'll come to, you know, a couple guys and the swing is big. It's like, you know, 11 this, 12 this, 8 this, and, and their, their, their stuff is off. You know, so that that's one of the things why we do this and why these numbers line up. It, it, think of this as a rifle system. It's not your scope, your ammo, your rifle, you. It's a system. We all add into it. And if we're combining all these errors together, they're going to be magnified downrange. I mean, that's kind of going back to the ELR stuff. When you're looking at people holding over with reticles and compromising their cheek because they're, they're scope bases and all these different things people do to shoot ELR under a compromised position, that's where everything should be the tightest because you're shooting the farthest. You know, the farther you go, I mean, errors are angular. The angle grows the farther out you're, you're going. That's why that Charlie unit, the, the taco from TACCOM HQ and John Baker, if you're going to get into the ELR game, that is the number one most important piece of kit you can buy. You can get away with whatever scope you have today, but you want that Charlie unit for fifteen hundred bucks because that's gonna what's gonna maintain your your cheek and that's gonna maintain your hundred yard zero and be able to fine tune that and then stick that Charlie unit on there and that's gonna take you out the distance without compromising how you're shooting that rifle. You, you know, that if you, if you got six inches of base and an angle and it's pointing at your barrel and it's doing all these things, you're really compromising your marksmanship and that's a bad way to go. Uh, same thing with the holdover. If you use the chart, you know, if you're down at the bottom, you know, you're breaking that cheek well to kind of line that bottom of your reticle up. And, and there's just a lot of things that I don't think are good practice that, that I, I feel there there are some of these products out there that can help you with it. But I, uh, you know, and, and that's kind of where where it is with, with all this stuff. That my goal, my key, my focus is marksmanship. You know, I'm not out there as a product salesman. I'm not just showing you how to use a Kestrel or a widget, or saying, you know, if you use my whiz wheel, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. Yeah, not so much. You still got to execute the shot. You know, if you're not doing that right. All the best tools on the planet aren't going to help you, you know, if you're there just, you know, winging it because you're going through. I mean, you can you can calculate the best data on the planet, and if you yank the trigger or if you're you're disengaging from the shot because you've hold your breath or you're doing all these things and breaking at different points in your breathing cycle, it's not going to work. I mean, breathing can have a big effect on that shot downrange. That's where some vertical spread comes in. You know, it, all these different things, you, you, your load can have a SD of two, but if you're if you're not breaking the shot, it's not going to help you. You know, it might take up some areas on the bigger targets. If you got a two MOA target out there, you know, you got a lot of bedroom. But think about how many people are out there with like a full size Ipsic, which on average, even like 800 yards or so, that's four MOA. And still can't get the hit and figure out their elevation. They're still struggling with elevation. I mean, we won't even get into the wind component on it, but they're still struggling with elevation on a four MOA target. That's a lot of plus or minus, and that's why I have such a focus on marksmanship. Because if your plus and minus is in that four MOA zone, that's a lot of you going on out there. And everybody, you know, wants to default to blaming the uh, 
blaming the, the system. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you, I look to me before I blame the system. And uh, I've gotten to be a little bit better shooter lately, and and so I can tend to tell if it's me if I'm getting tired, getting lazy, you know. Especially when I'm tired or I haven't eaten or drinking enough during the day, uh, you know that wears on your brain. That fatigues you, and and you start to make mistakes and you're not paying attention to those mistakes. So if I start to see that happening, well, you know I got to back off and stop blaming the system. But a lot of guys are looking for excuses so they don't you know look in the mirror, and I'm just not not really a fan of that. To me, our stuff is really really good today. You know, we're, we're, we're not using things from 1968, 1978. This stuff is, is, is fine-tuned, built by computers, all this stuff. Not sure, we can have a Monday or Friday device. You know, guy wants to, is hungover from Monday and wants to get out of there on Friday and it's not right. It happens. You know, I've seen it. But the majority, not so much. A lot of times when people are complaining about stuff, it's operator error. And I, I always look for that first, even with myself. I try to be as honest as I can. So definitely something to think about. And uh, let me just uh, address, too, um, we relaunched Sniper's Hide website. I'm loving it, man. This thing just turned out to be so good changing software. It was the best decision I made in, in since leaving Scout. And the software is fast. It's mobile-friendly. It's, it's just it's been working out great. I mean, God... I went on in the last few days, you know, full time again since back from shot and I'll make a post and I'll go to find it. And I got to go three days or three pages back to find it because it's, it's, it's got a lot more attention now that it's so much easier to use. You're seeing this stuff move a lot quicker, a lot more new posts, a lot more new people on, uh, we're still tweaking it. I'm still working on it, trying to work with some of these guys to get the, um, the look and feel right. But they've been they've been sporadic in in uh, talking with me, as well. Uh, you know, I have a new front page coming, and that'll be coming up for these articles and things that I'm doing to make navigation better, to make the look better. I know, like on my front page right now, it looks like shit on Android. It doesn't work, but you know, the forum just looks good. I mean, if you want a breath of fresh air, take a look at the Sniper's Hide forum and look at the changes that we made. Uh, I'm cleaning it up. I'm fixing the permissions. It, it did, it did, you know, cause a little bit of mess in the background because this is the third major software change we've gone through since I've started this site. So you end up getting a little bit of corruption. You get a little bit of clutter, and and it's a, it's it's long and you know tough to manually go through and fix these things. There's no there's no batch repair. You know, batch. Uh, uh, re, re, replace kind of thing. I have to do this stuff manually because it doesn't affect everybody equally. It may dislike a date range. It may dislike a status. And with all the custom permissions that we had in, it, you know, sometimes it'll default that to the closest thing it can find, which might might even be banning you. Uh, I found a guy today who who was banned, and the system just did it by itself in the changeover. And three times I've now tried to unban them and it's still not right. I'm hoping tomorrow I did a time thing on it. I'm hoping tomorrow it will remove his ban. If not, I'm going to have to make him a new account. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. It's it's a lot of work uh, software-wise. 
and I'm learning it the same as everybody else. I've never used this software before. It's very similar to um, what, uh, or it, it's not similar, I should say, to vBulletin and the software. So it's all new. The menus are all new. The way they, they address a lot of this stuff is all new. So, you know, every day since I've been back from shot, I'm watching videos, I'm reading the articles, and I'm, I'm trying to learn it and go in and, and, and adjust things. So, you know, be patient with me, but I really think you guys would like it. Here's the key, Sniper's Hide. I used to tell people only 10% was worth a damn. You know, there it was, it, it was everybody having fun, letting off steam, things like that. But that 90% went to Facebook. And now you're seeing, you know, 90% of Facebook is shit. And we're having a lot more percentage. Heck, I think I'm in the 75% zone right now with really good valid data. We, we don't have the trolls. We don't have the people cracking stupid jokes, ruining the thread. You can search. The search works so good now. You know, you can store and save and resources and all these different things we're doing to make this data accessible for you guys to go back and find it and reference it. I also did an Everyday Sniper uh, little section for the podcast. If you want to talk to us directly, I'm going to not really play on Facebook as much anymore. You know, I'll use it for advertising for me, but I, I'm going to be on Sniper's Hide. So if you guys want to find me, come on over to Sniper's Hide, check it out, and, and you could talk to me directly then, and I'll answer your question with everybody in real time. And heck, if I'm not there, somebody knowledgeable will come in and ask. So, all righty, I'm going to clean this up and get it posted for you guys. Uh, again, any questions, you know, definitely post it. Uh, the Everyday Sniper Facebook page. Come on to Sniper's Hide. Check out the podcast, Podbean. The app is working out really well for everybody. Uh, appreciate you listening. And, um, you know, we're going to go and, and uh, make sure that we keep doing this. If Mike's a little busy, I'll, I'll keep putting these out for you daily and, and, and knock them out. Thanks again for listening. We really got this has gotten so big. I, I had no clue this many people would be watching and listening. I, I really appreciate that. They're all around the world. All you guys have just been fantastic. Um, every, everybody's just been, you know, really, really good. And and so, you know, knock me out, ask those questions, and, and I look forward to, to doing more of these. Thanks, guys.